Hi there, I'm Howard Kramer, and I'm here with my buddy. <laughs> so cute. This is definitely the least hip-hop, hip-hop podcast already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, you're like, hi, I'm Howard Kramer. Here's my buddy. This is like the cutest <laughs> intro. Hi, I'm Howard. I'm white. I'm a rap fan from a distance. I don't have any... I'm black friends. Yeah. Uh, not me though. Not not the buddy to your right. No, buddy, he's also white. He's also white, but he is he is deeply embedded in the uh, rap game. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jensen Carp. Hello. This is very exciting for me. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people. I mean, I, I hope a lot of people are excited that you've turned some of your home tapes. I'm sure you'll explain it better. Yeah, into digital recordings that we can listen to 25 years later. Right from I, a hip hop station in New York. Right. Well, I'm glad this show gave me that opportunity because this stuff has been sitting around collecting dust and it probably should have been digitized 10 years ago. This but is he- like this is like when James Cameron unearthed the Titanic uh, in film form. Whoa. This right. is this is the hip hop version in podcast form. Right. And then who's the old lady? Uh, is it me? It's Roxanne Chante. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Um, well, so what this is, is um, uh, 25 years ago today, yes. I taped on cassette the uh, Rap Attack, which was, um, well, basically in New York City, uh, back in the day, they would have a rap show, and it would just be from 9 p.m. to midnight on uh, Friday and Saturday nights. So it was just six hours a week. That was the only time rap was played. And I would tape these shows on cassette. Which, which a lot of people did. A lot of people yeah. did. They would even say on a lot of these, like, get your cassettes ready. They knew everybody was taping them to make like their own mixtapes to listen to during the week. And most people know the show now because it's referenced in Biggie's Juicy. Right. He says, Rap Attack, Mr. Magic Marley Mar. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of how everyone knows now, sadly. Right. So, uh, that's not just some crazy lyric. Those no. were real uh, shows. And they were great shows. It was great to tape the rap every week. It was kind of like a soap opera. You'd hear the different beefs developing, and you'd hear the different styles, people copying other people's styles. So, anyway, um, I just thought it would be cool. This, this tape that we're going to go over... Um, yeah, it was recorded June 6th, 1987. And he literally has a cassette tape in its case with all of... What do you have? You have the entire show written on the back of it? Yeah, like these are all the tracks. That's so dope. This uh, dash here would indicate, oh, commercial. Like there's okay. a commercial there. Which so I, like you have... Like, I'm not going to ruin songs, but like yeah. each song title, there's a Shantae song I see, which I already made a joke about. But <laughs> like they, like basically you would... What, I mean, did he... He doesn't always say the title, though. Sometimes you have to know your knowledge to write it down, right? Right, or yeah. basically... I would just listen to the hook and just write that down. A lot of these, I have no idea who the group is. Yeah. And researching them is tough because, you know, these were probably just basically demos. A lot of them are not. Yeah, they would even just bring labels. it up. To, I remember they would just bring them up to the studio. So they would hand them to the DJ. And getting on the getting on the show was like bonkers. Right. Like that was like we made it, mom. You know, like you like would arms up in the air screaming right, if like, you were on Rap Attack. Exactly. Yeah. Like they, we heard our song on the radio. Yeah. So and um, now they're in shit movies like Halloween H two L. Hello, Cool J is going to listen to this podcast and just be like, remember when I was dope? <laughs> no? Okay, cool. Later. Yeah. Uh, those days are over. But no, he. Um, it's great. And um, they're tough to research. But here we have them for you. And so now it is June 6, 2012. 25 years, a quarter century to the day since this stuff was recorded. Yeah. So I thought we'd go through and listen to some of the songs and some of the shout outs and some of the commercials and just uh, have a good time. Uh, and to put it in context, these tapes are... Four to five years older than Tyler, the creator. 
Exactly. Like, these actual tapes are five to six years older than Mac Miller. Right. Just to put you in context as to what ha- hip-hop's at right now, the tapes that we're playing are older than the rappers who are rapping. So that's how much different the culture has moved. And your your perspective has just made me very sad, <laughs> <laughs> This podcast turned into a double suicide, which is a exactly. painful moment. To think that the people who are popular rappers now were not even born when I was obsessing over born, these songs. Their, their parents probably weren't even married Right. Like it's they weren't even a thought. They weren't even a glimmer in their no. parents' eye. No. All right, well let's let's listen to some of these tunes. Uh I'll play this first one and then then we'll talk about it. And before it. Mr. Magic, rest in peace, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, when did that happen? A few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we'll that bring also- him back to life. <laughs> yeah. We'll resurrect him let's today. Let's do it. Here we go. The real reason is those the rats might bite them You can come in, but please don't miss the signs stated at the door all right, so I'm pretty sure that song was called My Building. <laughs> <laughs> or My Super is a Murderer. Well, that was the break. I, I yeah. pulled that part because I enjoy it very much. Yeah. They got real sing-songy and, you know. But um, I, I don't know who sings it. No. But um, I, I've never heard that before. Yeah. He's just complaining about his building? Basically, yeah. Well, it's still relatable. It is relatable, and it just shows you how this uh, all of a sudden gave people a uh, outlet to tell the truth and to sort of uh, complain. But for the record... Um, if your super is possibly a murderer, it's it's a creepy thing. Like I, I understand where he's coming from. Right. It's kind of like it's almost a rear window the rap song. Oh yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's almost like my super might be a murderer. My leg's broken. I'm looking at it through a photo lens. <laughs> right. Like, it's just that. It- what, a, what a crazy song though. I've never actually come close to hearing that. And I've heard a lot of old rap. This one, I think it might have been inspired by Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Just sort of that idea of my place is so shitty yeah. that like it's killing me. And- That's just like hip hop. Now, <laughs> it's ex- literally, it's the exact opposite. Someone now should make a building where it's like a song called "My Building," where it just talks about all the jacuzzis they have. All the jacuzzis. It's like that Hannibal joke. Hannibal jokes that Young Jeezy says that even his rooms have rooms, and, right. she, and Hannibal's like, "Those are called closets." <laughs> like exactly. it's literally, it's uh, all they do is talk about how much shit they have. This song is focused on how much shit he doesn't have. He doesn't have, and yeah. how bad it is. Well, that's uh, you know, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. That's sort of where rap was born out of that frustration. Mm-hmm. And then they started making believe they had a lot of money. Yeah. And then they really did have a lot of money. Yeah. Weird, weird escalation. Weird. All right. Well, let's just do another one. This one... Uh, it's called My Car. <laughs> my car. <laughs> my car ain't got shit in it. My it barely drives. <laughs> I don't even have a key. I live in Manhattan. Why do I have a car? <laughs> Technically, I live in my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. This next one is... This is that's a song. That, I, so funny. That was my thing. Hold on. It's not coming up though. Yeah, it's like when, I, when you Google make it funky, you just get James Brown. Yeah, you keep being James Brown. Oh, teaspoon. As we listen, we're finding out. Uh, make it funky. That's it. Is it really? Right? God, Jensen Carp. I think I got it. Comes through again. Is it? Make oh, man, I don't want to get it wrong. Make it funky. I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, I might be wrong. Shit. But That one's hard, man. But, you know, maybe I, that's the beauty of the show. We're sort of like unearthing these mysteries and then we can have other rap archaeologists we, out this, there. Find this podcast, for the record, is a dream for snooty, pretentious message board people. Right. Because immediately I could be like, I think that's Teaspoon. And then 400 people could tell me I'm a fucking moron. Right. Yeah, Almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know that. Make it funky. I don't know that one. I don't know, but it is it is one of the better songs on the tape that didn't become a huge song. I sort of left out the ones that we all know, like yeah. Public Enemy songs and stuff, but this, make it funky. And um, 
this really was a time when um, people just realized, oh, we can take all these old James Brown samples and go nuts on them. Yeah, and that originally breaks... Uh, and for people, I assume people are tuning in that don't like know a lot about rap, so we could break it down. But the idea hip-hop was born from the idea that uh, people in these lower uh, neighborhoods weren't able to purchase instruments. So their decision was was to use the lamps in the park, which is where the, the term coal lamping came from, right. and they would plug in their turntables, which were, were cheaper, and, and they didn't have expensive turntables. They would just put on turntables, and then they would find a small four, basically four to eight bar break in each song. So there was always in a James Brown song, there's a part where he sort of does his dance really fast, just like right. does his little like ship, you know, uh, hip shaking thing. That part's really just like a dance groove, and they would just replay that dance groove over and over again for dance parties. And then, uh, and then immediately, some of the DJs became more popular than others. So those DJs got an ego and were like, "Yo, my friend is going to get on the microphone and tell people who the DJ is." Right. So people would just be like, "Yo, you are in the mix with DJ Spoony G," and like, and that was it. And then the good ones started to rhyme those calls so it'd right. be like yo you know me now we with spoonie g and then that became like who's in the place to be and then that became rap right that simple so the breaks is really all we'll hear on these songs in most cases right right absolutely we'll just hear sort of a james brown break flipped over and over and over again then maybe a small break with a drum machine and that's it right yeah and then for me as a white kid in the suburbs i wasn't that familiar with any james brown music so it wasn't like i was like oh this is from blah 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 like this stuff was brand new to me and it all just seemed amazing yeah i mean it it was uh i, I did ub Ellen, which is a lot later than this that's like 85 or 86 i did ub Ellen for my uh third grade talent show <laughs> and uh it was really my first time on stage rapping and my mom had a teacher come up to her and ask her what type of music that is. Oh, my God. Like a legitimate what type of music is what that? So is I, that? I mean, I grew up in Calabasas, which is pretty white. <laughs> but, you know, it was, you know, those days it was still being introduced to a lot of people. So you were way ahead of the curve, Howard. Right. Well, and then it's just funny to me now because it did start with the DJs and then it morphed into the vocalists were more popular. Yeah. And now we're in some weird time now with dance DJs where it's kind of like focuses back on the... Mm-hmm. Guy spinning. Well, my goal would be to follow around Dead Mouse and just be like, "You in the place to be? We're listening to Dead Mouse. He wears a mask." And then just like walk away. Are you just gonna be? Are you gonna be in costume when you do that? No, no, I'm just gonna be myself. I'm just gonna fucking bring myself to the party. <laughs> All right, we're on to our next track. This one is uh, it's a mashup of sorts. I'll, I'll let you hear it. this type of hip-hop so well. <laughs> this, like, chunky... <laughs> and what is that sample? Let me clear my throat. Uh, 1-900 number? Yeah, what is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds chopped up. I mean, it's so crazy that hip-hop... I mean, a lot of people are like, where the fuck did hip-hop go? It sounds so shitty now. You know what sounds better? Singing in hip-hop. Because singing in hip-hop used to be terrible. Well, I think they would purposely or proudly be off-key because well, like, I'm yeah. not a singer. Yeah, yeah, Biz would do that. And there was a bunch of people who would do it, but here, here's some rap. He is talking about TV shows. Oh, yes. It's funny because like early 80s uh, rap is what sort of um, established how white people that don't know how to rap will rap. Because it's like if you're like a sorority girl would be like, my name is Kimmy and I'm here to say like that. That whole cadence is from. Uh, some people say a Fruity Pebbles commercial. Uh, oh, really? Well, yeah. A lot of people... Well, because it was that commercial where it's like, my name is Fred... You know, there was like a Fred Flintstone type of Fruity Pebbles ah. commercial where he rapped. So a lot of people think the cadence came from that. But in truth, it's really just a play. It was white advertising executives hearing this and then being like... Uh, by the way, not Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles. Um, <laughs> and so they heard it, the cadence from this and then the advertising agencies, white guys, and they were like, well, here's what we'll do. And it was like, my name is Fred and I'm here to say I love uh, Cocoa Pebbles in a major way. 
and it's just the shittiest human cadence ever. Yeah, it's it like very hurts my soul. Obvious. Yeah, yeah. and and, uh, and we're glad. Yeah, people broke out. But it of sounds it good then. Things. Yeah, it sounds good then. It sounds good. I think it's funny too that he's talking about a lot of soap operas and stuff, like Edge of Night and <laughs> Love in the Afternoon was like a slogan for all the soap operas. Yeah. But then like he'll just go into Mork and Vinny, like he ran out of soap operas to talk about, so he just tosses in Happy Days uh, and stuff. One of my hip hop stories, which I'm going to interject in, is I worked with Kanye super early, uh, and he was to me a shitty rapper at first so like even when they asked for him to be on my album i was like oh no please no uh, and he was just a different rapper then and now i think he's great but it just he just didn't develop into what he is now but his one song he played me i we hung out a decent amount and i picked him up once at his hotel here and he was like i got a new song and he played it for me and it was just him doing that but with movie titles oh boy supposedly someone has like, it i would love era, to have it. what era of movie like i got my guns and this is just a toy story uh, or like you know like like <laughs> like I'm the master and commander of my world, and I was like oh, oh boy every line had it and I was just like oh this isn't good at all. Uh, so when you say you turned down Kanye, you're not like some big ballsy brassy guy turning no, down just a brilliant song. No, just, it was just stuff bad. was bad. He he was breathy. If you listen to like old stuff before through the wire, he was just like uh, he just sounded like Mace, and his, he just got better. And so someone can get better, you know. I just I mean I knew he made great beats, so I, I could say I was on top of that. But right. So when they like when you hear that all these record companies turned him down and didn't sort of make sense. Rap, yeah, it's like, <laughs> sort of, I mean I did. Too. Uh, I mean it wasn't like my name is Kanye. I'm here to say, but it was like it was it was just not the best possible thing. Right. Well, maybe that's what made him step up his game and become the genius that yeah. he is. And me to fail. Um, all right. <laughs> um, let's let's hear. The, oh, this is uh, Slick Rick. You guys might know this one. Give it to me. Not yet. It'll, it's almost Slick Rick. A lot about rocking the crowd because they're at the parties. Right. You know, another thing, too, it was kind of revolutionary that music could be this sparse. Like, uh, you know, rock was the ruling thing at the time. And then to turn on the radio and just hear two drums. Oh, this song's good. Yeah, the ruler has oh. returned. You can just hear already how much better he was than everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. This is classier. Uh, I got to open for him. You did? I did. Wow. As Hot Carl, yeah. I got to open for him. But yeah, we should say maybe to the people listening. Uh, oh, yeah. Jensen was Hot Carl. Yeah, about 10 years ago, I was a rapper on Interscope Records. I got this gargantuan record deal, and I was this big hype white machine, uh, and I just didn't really feel it. But I put out a whole album you can get on iTunes under Hot Carl, and I walked away myself because I was just like, oh, this doesn't feel like me. I'd much rather sit in an apartment and talk about it. <laughs> I literally, I was just like, I don't like this. Uh, but I did put out a record, and I got to open uh, since I'm one of the only people who cares about this you know what I mean so anytime Slick Rick or Cool G Rap or Cool Mo D or whoever was in Big Daddy Kane whoever was in town they'd usually ask me to open oh that's fantastic uh, so Slick, was, Slick Rick was one of my big ones I literally ended the show by being like you know what this is good enough. I was like, I, I, I don't want to do another song. Uh, slick Rick. Yeah, here. I was like, Slick Rick's here. I don't <laughs> want to hold this back anymore. I was like, but just so you know, this is a really big deal. And the audience went nuts. Mostly, I mean, I, I was there to support them always. So yeah, but he's so, the best. Humility. You don't always see that in a rapper. No, that's very that's nice. Another reason why it didn't work. Um, yeah. So Slick Rick and a lot of these songs. I mean, I, I, some of these songs are a couple weeks old, you know, or like, you know, I, on a different tape, I have some like Public Enemy world premieres and stuff. Yeah. So it's just kind of amazing. This was like a lot of people consider the golden age of rap or the golden age of old school rap. Yeah. I mean, at least the the beginning era. And this is, I mean, this radio show is where um, rap beef started. Right. Like the beef that you hear about every single day now as a marketing tool by rappers was created in reality based on guys who lived in different boroughs. Right. And they would they would make records about how shitty the other borough is. Right. Or they would like mishear the other guy's rap and think that he claimed he invented rap in his yeah. borough and they'd go to war about yeah. it. Or if they're supers or murderer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, either one of those. Um, and now here's something from Red Alert. Red Alert. So Red Alert's a huge DJ. Oh yeah, let's let's play that. So this off. is a rapper now doing what I said, talking about how great the DJ is. Right. He says he's a great man. Red Alert is a great man. 
It's kind of cool that he referenced that he's a good man at his morals and like his inner sanctum rather than just he's a good DJ. He's also a good guy. Right. But he's like a great man. He's like a man you should respect. Yeah. Like, uh, By the way, that was kind of a thing in hip hop. Yeah. Not, not, not like the respect we know now. Like a respect like he's a family dude. He's great with his mom. Oh, right, right. Yeah, like yeah, that came up a, a lot guy. in hip hop. Yeah. He's trustworthy. Yeah, back then. He's got a good work ethic. And Red Alert really was, I mean, one of the best. Yeah, he had such a signature sound uh, when he spoke on the mic. Yeah. We'll actually be getting into that next. Cool. Um, these are some. Of, this is a taste of some of the music on the tape, but you know what this old rap sounds like. Yeah. Now we get into the fun of like hearing these guys talk. Yeah. So why don't I play this next one? This is DJ Red Alert. Here we go. Hit word, peace. Listen to my dad, DJ Red Alert. Yeah. That's DJ Red Alert's son. He was seven at the time. He's now 45. <laughs> He's actually 32 years old today. Oh, this was man. his birthday. Oh, man. We'll hear it later. It's the kid's birthday. So we want to wish DJ Red Alert's son a happy 32nd birthday here in 2012. And we're right here with cool DJ Red Alert. And this is Public Enemy. On your FM dial, 98.7 Kiss, boy. So dope that you have this. Yeah, it's so fun to hear these guys come on like just over the breaks, and it's like so much, so much Casio. Uh Like I can hear it. Yeah, and some of them are presets. Yeah, man, that was crazy. Yeah, so that was DJ Red Alert, seven year old. He'd often be in the studio, and he he'd often do drops and Public Enemy. I might send a really creepy tweet to DJ Red Alert that says "Happy Birthday to your son." Oh yeah, look at that! You got him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, here he is. Yeah, at DJ Cool or at Cool DJ Red Alert Cools with a K. How many followers he's got? He has uh, twenty two twenty two thousand. Here we are. Yep. He parlayed twenty five years later. He's got twenty two thousand Twitter followers. It's not bad. He, he's still doing mixes on uh, WBLS, and then he's jumping on a plane to Miami to rock down there. I mean, he's, he's doing shit. It's great. Yeah. yeah, there was a there was some time there where the old school guys couldn't make any money, and yeah, now, now it's, it's kind of good that they're back I, and they can. You know what's crazy is like I thought of this yesterday. I was trying to come up with a funny tweet about it, but it is kind of weird to imagine we're probably going to get old, and the DJs are still going to be doing that. Right. So there's going to be like a 50, 60 year old DJ, right? That's that blows my mind. It is crazy. There's going to be an old man DJ, and he's not going to be playing quiet old hits. He's going to be playing stuff like Public Enemy yeah. and NWA, and then there's going to be 55 year old people on the dance floor. Yeah, totally. Well, I've seen Grandmaster Flash live within the last few years. He does yeah. a lot of corporate gigs, uh, and the, but the thing is, is like uh, Black don't crack. He right. looks great. Right. You know, I mean, like Mace. There's new photos of Mace. He looks. He looks 25. He does. Oh my god, it's like bonkers. Whoa. Uh, so. I'm just. I, I guess I just assume when the white DJs get old, it's going to look weirder. Probably. Yeah. Like uh, Mike D. He looks like. He, lo- yeah, he looks they, a little old. They all looked old. Yes. We we can admit that, and that was a little weird. But then when you see like Tone Loke, he looks good. He looks good. He looks fine. And how about Nas's new song where he brags about looking seventeen? Yeah. Or having a daughter. He has a song. <laughs> he has a song about having a daughter. I mean, things are things are changing, guys. Things yeah. are changing. Yeah. The yeah. the subject matter has opened up. Yeah. All right. Here's another drop. Hi, I'm Eric B. My name is Roxanne. Yeah, I'm here showing my brother Ant live from Corona. And it got supreme before Green is in the house. You know it. And we chilling my man, cool DJ Red Alert from 98.7. Kiss that thing. And Eric B and Roxanne dropped. It was an exciting time. If you want to see middle-aged white guys go nuts, just play this song when they come over. Just play it once. Every white guy's favorite album from back then is Paid in Full. (laughs) Paid in Full also is a weird thing because on the album cover, it's Eric B. and Rakim, and they're just like holding jewelry and there's just money all around them which now is like so cliche right that's the first time it ever happened first time like that's legitimately the first time two rappers sat on an album cover and basically had money and shit all around them Mm -hmm. that's crazy to think about yeah that there's actually an instance Uh, where you could go hey this is the first time everything (laughs) else did this after (laughs) this is the first time it happened and also to think of the idea of we're gonna put money on our cover and it's gonna be an original idea like it actually is oh yeah and it's super cute let me let me hold on i'm gonna bring Bring it up. Um, the best part about it is, isn't it twenties? Is it Hold twenty dollar bills? I think it's twenty dollar bills. Yeah, Hold on, right. paid in full. There it is. Uh, where was it? There oh, there it is. Um, it is 
Yeah, it's $20 bills. Yeah, $20 bills. 20, and they're also holding $20 bills, for the record, also. I like they got the B in there for the Eric B. Yeah, thank God. Um, um, but yeah, that was... Uh, also, like, um, I don't know if this was inspired by this, but at the time in New York, like in Times Square, like on a Friday or Saturday night... Sure. The storefronts would be closed and they'd have, you know, the aluminum garage doors pulled down. But guys would go show up with cameras and then they would hang a backdrop. And a lot of times it would just be money or it might just say chilling. And then people would come through and the crews would pose and they would take a picture with that in the background and then they'd pay the photographer some money for taking the picture. I don't know if that predated the album stuff. The best warrior scene ever. (laughs) (laughs) That really is, sounds incredible. Yeah, someone should put together a collection of those photographs because I I would see, I mean, just all night long, crews would stop and take pictures. It was just a good time when there were gangs that would be like, oh, let's all wear the same jacket tonight. Right. Like, that's the kind of era I want to live in. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now. Well, we'll go buy some clothes after Thank you. This. Thank you. Um, here's another drop. This is where they're saying goodnight. Oh, so this is the end of the night? Get yeah. Get Someone heard this and was like... 98.7 Kiss FM. Well, Red, once again, you really uh, worked hard for your buddy. Yeah, with a little help on his side this time. A little help from your friend? Yeah. Heading out. Never. Can't believe you have this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take him to LQ. I'm going to take him home. That's the LQ, LQ, the Latin Quarter that yeah. you always hear about. Yeah. Okay, well, you have Famous a club. Okay. The remainder of it, anyway. All right. Stay ready? out of trouble. Ready to go home, boy? We out of here? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Take care of yourself. All right, it's a little after 11.55 at 98.7. I do love that. WRKSF. There were still, still radio voices. Yeah, that guy, you know, he's he's a regular DJ, you know. Some, uh, you guys playing that hip-hop, killing exactly. it all night long. Uh, <laughs> check it out. You're going to a club that I'd never be found in, uh, but we're about to play uh, Taylor Dane. Right. Yeah. Well, this rap fan will be over soon, and we'll get back to the R&B. <laughs> Thank God we're back to Elder Barge. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, and we'll play you a little bit in a minute of what that guy was going to play you, but I want to get to Red Alert's seventh birthday real quick. The kid's birthday? Yeah, okay. he's 32 today. This was his seventh. 98.7 KISS FM with Chuck Leonard and Carol Ford give you another $1,000 payoff song of the day. Monday morning between 7 and 8 on V Station where it pays to listen longer. 98.7 KISS FM. I will play with J.R. Vance, the ugliest DJ in New York once again. Very happy birthday goes out to little DJ Red Alert. His name is Robin. He is seven years old today. And uh, now let's get back and return to the Saturday Night Mass Mix Dance Party. With DJ Red Alert behind the wheels of steel on Kiss FM. Man. Yeah, so I wonder what he's doing now. He's 32. I don't know. Robin. I should try to figure that out. I, I Let me see if I can see if I can put DJ Red Alert's kit in here. Let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. Put it in the magic By the future way, just, machine. Just for the record, if this says rest in peace, this whole podcast goes in a totally different uh, direction. Totally different direction. No, he's, he's fine. He's thriving. He's okay. thriving. Please. Okay. Um, Just amazing, too, that you can look up any of this stuff. I know. It's so crazy. DJ Red Alert's son. Well. Mm, I don't know. I don't see anything. We'll we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. As the son of DJ Red Alert? What? Hold on, kids. (laughs) Uh, So I'm throwing this out there. This is better. Okay. Here we go. Oh, this is a different son. Oh, different Wait, did they say his son's name was Robert or George? Robin, I think. Robin. This kid's name is George Mims. Mims. No way. Mims isn't his, t- his kid. Why? You know Mims? Well, you mean like this is why I'm hot? Oh, God. No, Mims? there's no way. Hold on. No, it can't be. Well, there's the kid. The kid was on the record cover of We Can Do This. So it makes me feel like that's the right son, right? He was born in 1987? Yeah, well, this tape was made in 87. So this kid's uh, so this is seven years older. Brother, okay. younger so this brother. is a younger brother. A younger brother is doing some shit. Is doing some DJing. But not the one that just celebrated a birthday on our tape. Wow. So the Sons of Red Alert, it's a tangled tale. Yo, I'm not giving up on this for the record. Yeah, don't give up. But anyway, um, they would close down the show, and he said goodbye, and then they would kick back into dance music. And I don't know if you could see right on here, but I wrote this 25 years ago. It says, the rest is disco crud. (laughs) Dance music back then was not even really called dance music. It was just disco. Yeah, crud. If you if you were really into this new rap stuff that was coming out, you did not want to hear any dance. But I'll play a little bit with that 
sounds like because it's not like the dance music of today. Oh man. <laughs> This was the kickoff song when they'd leave the rap behind and go into the dance music. And as Dustin pointed out yesterday, this basically sounds like a Seinfeld break. Yeah. <laughs> this also sounds like the intro credits to an 80s porno. Yes, it does. That's probably your two job options at that yeah, point. Yeah, probably. If you had a Casio. I'm not giving up on Red Alert's kid. But he's going to keep looking for Red Alert. I have to. All right, this is going to be a fun portion of the show. Now we're going to get into some of the commercials. When I would tape this stuff, I would go back and forth between 107.5 and 98.7 and just try to get all music so I could have music on my tape. Okay. But sometimes I would just let the tape running or the phone would ring, and so I'd wind up getting all the commercials too. Oh. So here we are 25 years later. Let's see what they were advertising on the Rap Attack 25 years ago today. This would be the... Do we? Let's see. Better be a crazy Eddie here. Ninety-eight point seven Kiss FM jamming more strong songs with better variety. And world famous Jr. Vance, the ugliest DJ in New York, along with DJ. Is he Red saying? Alert. Can you pause it for a second? Yes. Is he saying the ugliest DJ in New York? Yeah, that's his. Uh, you know, that's his hook. He's the ugliest DJ in New York. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not what his parents want him to do. That was. That's not a nice thing. That's not cool. But he is turning. He's turning lemons into lemonade. I mean, I I assume he's John Merrick, the Elephant Man, at yes. this point. Like, yeah, what do you? You look like Eric Stoltz in Mask. Well, how, ba- how bad do you have to look in order to be the ugliest DJ? That has to be horrendous. You have to be grotesque. You you have a face for radio. I'm wearing a bag on my head. I'm the ugliest DJ in America. It's like, what? Are you serious? I am hideous. I cannot be seen. Only look heard. away. Look away. But listen to what I'm playing. It's like, what? That's how these rappers would, uh, you know, strengthen themselves for the fights ahead. No, play it again. Keep playing it. Dance party on 98.7 Kiss FM. New York City weather cloudy this evening with a low in the mid 60s. I look tomorrow mostly cloudy with a slight chance of showers and a high in the mid 70s. Right now it's clear and 70 degrees in Central Park at 98.7 Kiss FM. And by the way, the Rockville Center Economic Opportunity Council Incorporated is sponsoring a benefit carnival. When I call them at area code 516-536-6008. Should we call them? I mean, they must get calls all day for this thing still. (laughs) You know, and Rockville Center is where Howard Stern's from. It's on Long Island. He always talks about how, uh, you know. Rough it got. Yeah, and he would get beat up by black guys and stuff. And then public enemies from right around there, too. Mm -hmm. So it's funny. I like hearing the weather report from 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, here we go. This one is an ad for Action Park, which like a um, uh, it was a uh, wasn't an amusement park, but it was a big ski mountain in New Jersey that, where they would set up an alpine slide. Okay. So during well, the, I mean, obviously, put it on during the rap show. <laughs> exactly. Urban audiences love skiing. <laughs> hey, it's me, the ugliest DJ in the world. Uh, no, we have a pretty loud. Uh, we have a pretty large African American audience, uh, so we usually cater our commercials so that it's stuff they'll like. Uh, check it out. There's a hockey game on Channel 5 that you guys should tune into. There's also skiing. Skiing. And there's also uh, the McSweeney's has a quarterly magazine that you guys should be picking up. As well as Criterion Collection. Any of these things react towards black people? No? Okay. Uh, let's get some other commercials going. It's like, what? Yeah, like Docker's Pants. All the things you want. Docker's Pants. But uh, this being June, yeah, Action Park was set up with their Alpine slide. And yeah. here we go. soundtrack to every John Cusack 80s movie. Yeah, I mean, this is how music sounded at this time, so the fact there was rap records out was amazing. Yeah. Summer with action. Action Park is bursting with more outrageous excitement than ever before. Only Action Park lets you control the rides. Cut the wake in a high-powered speedboat, race a friend down one of six incredible alpine slides, or blast off a hot lap in a sleek Grand Prix race car. And when it's hot, there's no better place to be than Action Park. Hang Stand in the wave pool, catch air on the amazing surf hill, wrestle a thousand feet of raging white water rapids in the mighty roaring springs, or soak yourself on any one of 40... Think of how lame these rides actually are. <laughs> Think about how many people are like, where's Rapids at? Yeah, what happened? What happened? You know what I think about? Like, Because I would go to these things as a kid, yeah. and you wonder like, what other rappers were little kids like racing me down the alpine slide. Oh, because they heard it on Rapids Or just because um, like, that's where 
kids from the city would go, you know, like to Great Adventure, Six Flags out oh, in New sure, Jersey, sure. like Biggie talks about it. Yeah. So sometimes you think, okay, like when I was 10, there's some seven-year-old kid next to me from the city. Like, yeah. that might have been Diddy. Like, who who was hanging who knows? around down there? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I'll, I, I, uh... Growing up, it's weird because I grew up in, in Calabasas, uh, which is this suburb right really close to Malibu, and uh, it was obviously a pretty white neighborhood. But um, Jerry Heller lived there, mm-hmm. and he put together NWA and owned Ruthless Records, and he was sort of this Jewish re- uh, record executive in the early rap days, and he would move all the rappers to Calabasas. Like, when they got money, he'd be like, yo, you should move to my neighborhood. It's great. You'll love it. And so Dre, Easy e um... Uh, who else? Ren. They all lived in my hometown. So, like, I would go to, like, the liquor store and I would just see, like, Easy e buying, like, soda. <laughs> like, with Dr. Dre at the yogurt store. <laughs> like, Insane. Crazy shit would happen because of Heller living in Calabasas and he would move them there. Um, so, Easy e lived in, in Mountain View, which was sort of this... They were all behind gates. Right. Um, but, but they were still making the records. And the nicest humans. Like, you'd see them at yogurt and they'd be like, hello. <laughs> like, Hi, it was like, good to meet you. Like, they were just the nicest people. Uh, none of them ever had, like, they loved being in the suburbs. It was, it, they, they were so excited to have moved from shittier places. So moved, they were just super right. nice. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good. You, yeah. You'd hope that, you know, yeah, once they move into the yogurt store area, they mellow out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they're like, well, I'm not going to shoot you. Not that any of them ever did, for the record. I, from what I understand, Easy e was really the only one who had some sort of criminal past in reality. Dr. Dre's group before NWA was like a dance group. Right. So uh, they were all ready to chill. They were ready. Yeah. Um, okay. Howard, are you going to talk about the guy who tweeted at you about that? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. What's that? Um, so... Last night, just randomly, you know, um, some guy just said um, on Twitter, hey, you going to Action Park this summer? Shut up. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> I was like, I haven't heard about Action Park in 20 years. It's me, the ugliest DJ. <laughs> yeah, I found your Twitter name, J.R. Vance. It's me. Go to, to go there. We have a Trans Am to sell. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy coincidence because we were just preparing the tape and we hadn't said anything to anybody. That's so, so funny. The uh, Yeah, the guy with the Action Park premonition or whatever that was. Thank you. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. This one stars Bronson Pinchot. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought you'd say that. Hi, this is Bronson Pinchot here at Independence Hall, the birthplace of the Constitution, and here's an extremely rare recording of our founding fathers discussing our most important Uh right, freedom of choice. Pepsi, go classic. Pepsi's the best, Ben Franklin. It's not Tom Jefferson. It's so. It's not. So anyway, in the next several weeks, Pepsi will ask you to choose. Come to an America's Choice taste test booth and prove for yourself that Coke Classic is the same old Coke that Pepsi's been beating for years. Does this count as a rap your right yep. to choose. It's the American way. George, what's your opinion? I think we should call it the United States of Washington. We haven't gotten that far yet. Right, we're still haggling over the national drink. Or not. Or we're still haggling. That's, that's, that's still in mirror. And discover <laughs> once and for all why Pepsi is America's choice. Crazy the Prince decide. Come to the following locations and taste for yourself why Pepsi is America's choice. The Westchester County Fair. Oh, that's your only choice for locations. Westchester yeah, County Fair. Bye. Uh, the craziest part about that is that Bronson Pinchot does not have to say, hey, this is Bronson, uh, Bronson Pinchot from Perfect Strangers. Right. He doesn't have to say, I'm he Valky. Gets, he gets to just say, hey, I'm Bronson Pinchot, which seems... Seems a little presumptuous. He did blow up there for a while. He was sort of the biggest sitcom actor in that era. Yeah, like it was. Be- it was pre Urkel, right? Yeah, pre Alf, pre Alf, pre pre Full House. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he. I remember. I feel like my I feel like my parents thought he was like really famous at one time. Well, yeah, I guess he was a household name. Yeah, for older folks. Huh. Yeah. But um, bummer for Bronson. <laughs> yeah, there, that was a Coke Classic because uh, they changed the recipe to Coke previous to this. So now regular Coke was called Coke Classic. Is it still called that? No. Um, now it's just Coke. Yeah. But anyway, there was just uh, a window into a different time for beverages. Bronson Pinchot was, I'm, I'm looking it up because I, I know he had a girlfriend that I want to talk about. But he was in Risky Business, Beverly Hills Cop. He was huge in, you know, he was in like a ton of shit. Mm-hmm. He was um, in, uh, wasn't he in True Romance? True Romance. But I mean, even back then, he was like a superstar in Risky Business. Mm-hmm. He dated someone. I just can't remember. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Like a real hottie? You yeah, like crazy. Did? Like he was like, when I dated Christy Brinkley, and you're like, oh, times were different then for you. <laughs> Uh, I'll look it up. Keep going. Yeah, but um, it was just funny. I mean, uh, this was before ads 
got hip hop eyes. I mean, now if you listen to ads on the radio, they all sound like hip hop and they all are yeah. influenced by the hip hop nation. This was just uh, regular old white corporate America and yeah. uh, a newly burgeoning art. They form. did not cater. Oh, Brendan Pinchot did SNL for the record. Oh my god! Um, they did not cater to the hip hop audience at all in these. It was just the whitest commercials. It was almost like they sold these blocks anyway. So just like throw them in during the rap show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They probably got this time real cheap too. Yeah. All right. Should I move on to another? Please, top? please. Okay. I'm still looking to see who's. Um, this one is uh, for a boxing match that was about to take place. Okay. Finally, Michael Spinks defends his championship. Finally, Jerry Cooney answers all the questions. Butch Lewis Productions, in association with Trump Plaza, presents Spinks versus Cooney, The War at the Shore. Monday night, June 15th, live on Giant Screen TV at Madison Square Garden. I want to go right Michael now. Spinks and <laughs> Don't Jerry look it up. Cooney I want to battle for the World what? Heavyweight Championship. Tickets at the Garden Box Office. Tickets on The War at the Shore. Call five, well, Cooney six, is three, arguably one of the worst heavyweights of all time. Right. That should tell you something. That should tell me something. Spinks also uh, was amazing. Oh, wait. Did they say his first name? Uh, was Which Michael. I think it was okay, Michael. Michael. Okay. So Michael won, obviously. Finally, Michael Spinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was nervous we were talking about Leon Spinks, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is a completely different fighter. Uh, yes. His terrible brother. Um, but yeah, Spinks killed him. Spinks killed him. He destroyed yeah. him yeah, in the fifth round. And most of the accounts of the fight were like, where was Cooney? He didn't show up. He looked scared. He looked tentative. Do you want me to make this podcast super sad? Yes. He was like out of his mind. He had his brain completely destroyed. Yeah. He yeah. was from getting punched. Yeah. He was else. walking in. A, he was walking to fights like uh, not even knowing he's in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, he's guys. A tomato can, as yep. they would say. Yep. Sorry. So kind of sad, but, um, you know, uh, they fought and... Uh, <laughs> There's no spin here. It's a terrible story. It's a terrible yeah, it's story. It's a Brian Gumble Real Sports special. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a huge boxing fan, and this is when I was like really into boxing because this is Tyson era. This is, uh, you know, and Tyson, it's weird. People don't talk about how influential he was in hip hop, but oh, he right. was like the first guy who came up on like a rap attack. Right. You know what I mean? Like he was the first They dude. would reference him and talk about how they're as strong as him. Well, they loved him. He was in Brooklyn. You know right. what I mean? He was one of these guys. You know, he was one of the guys who was at these parties with the coal lamping and shit. Like, he was the dude who came out of this. And then he, he always kind of reached back to the hip-hop guys. Right. Um, it was also a weird thing, too, like, to hear musicians compare themselves to athletes and stuff. Like, that just never went on before. You wouldn't turn on, like, a no. Blue Oyster Cult song and they're talking <laughs> about, you know, I'm Muhammad. Like, it's, yeah. it was a new thing. Yeah, no, uh, the B-52s never called themselves the Jose Canseco. <laughs> they didn't? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Google Should have. Um, but no, uh, I, yeah, Tyson to me, I mean, he's shown up on a bunch of things. He is the intro on the Cannabis song, uh, Second Round Knockout. Mm. He is in the video for Brooklyn Dodgers, the first one, the Spike Lee right. uh, produced uh, for Crooklyn for the movie. Right. Um, LL Cool J, I'm like Tyson, Ison. Well, they were close. Yeah, they were close, which is why him showing up on the Cannabis song was like such a diss. But right. Tyson, yeah, he, he ended up being basically like a hip hop legend. More than any other boxer, I can't think of anyone who. I guess Mayweather now sort of has taken that the reins from him, right? But like you know, Tyson was basically. I mean, he was coming out to um, a bunch of songs, but Mama said "Knock You Out" was one of the big ones he'd come out to the LL song, right? Um, and he wore all black. He wore all black. Yeah. He was of hip hop at the time, and and uh, you know. Um, as rappers, they wanted to strike fear into their opponents. And so who did that more than Tyson? You would just yeah. say you're like Tyson. Yeah. And speaking of Tyson, we've got a drop from Mr. Mike Tyson, who uh, was the current champ. It's me, <laughs> the champ. This is Mike Tyson, the world heavyweight champion. Stop I am here to tell you about some people who thankfully decided to become cops. <gasps> They're the cops who help kids. I see it every day because I work with kids, too. The system calls them hard cases. <sighs> But they're just kids. Kids who need people who care. You see, I know a little bit about these kids because not very long ago I was one of them. But I was one of the lucky ones. Someone started me boxing. Then I was introduced to the legendary trainer Cus D'Amato. Man, he loved him. Now I know Mm -hmm. Cus was right. The only person who can stop me is myself. That's the kind of confidence these kids are getting from the cops I know. It's bumming me out. It's not just discipline. (laughs) It's real help and caring. You gotta recruit cops. It takes a special person to become a cop. 
If you think you have it in you to be an officer of the New York City <laughs> I don't Police mean, Department, I don't mean to make a mockery out of this statement he just made. <laughs> but I will tell you this: I am almost a hundred percent sure. I am ninety-nine percent sure that was a mandatory public service. Oh yes, he was in that big trouble. He was in big trouble, and that he had to give a certain amount of uh, public service. Could, could you hear resistance in his voice? I mean, I I'm not going to say resistance, but I heard the duct tape that was holding him down <laughs> to the chair. Uh, but I do remember this might be around the era that he did get all that public service hours because um, mm-hmm. you know he was in 88 um, by the way I'm obsessed with Mike Tyson oh okay my awesome. gallery is called 1988 because that was the year that everything happened and then my company name and, and I manage a rapper now and, and that whole company is called Tyson Gibbons um, oh I did not based, yeah based on his marriage terrible marriage Robin Gibbons <laughs> uh, but yeah he you know he was so crazy he would buy cars for everyone in his crew expensive expensive Ferraris and Lamborghinis and he had no idea of what money meant. He had literally no concept of what money meant. So he got into a fender bender with a cop, not even like a terrible accident or whatever, in his like Lamborghini Countach. And then he just gave the keys to the cop. Oh, wow. And was just like, don't want it. Bye. And it was like really not a whole lot of damage to it. I mean, he was just doing crazy things. And that was what started to add up into these weird small charges. And then obviously uh, later to the big charge. And this is after Cus died. So he was just kind of spiraling. Was it? I, that's the year wise. Was it after Cus Mato oh, died? I don't know. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I think Cosmato okay. was fine. It's just that I'd have to look. Hold he on. just he was from the ghetto and he he came into all this money and he he didn't care. He, he didn't, didn't care. want the money. Yeah, I don't know how to spell his name. Um, but it I, it's also it's just fun to listen to the cadence too. And I'll play it a, again. It's just fun to. It's hear crazy. The uh, Cosmato died in '85, so you're right. It was two years prior. Right. Well, this is eighty six. Oh, so, so he yeah. just died. Yeah, he's already gone. And yeah, he, he, he broke down. Bad for Mike. Yeah. This oh. is Mike Tyson, the world heavyweight champion. I am here to tell you about some people okay. thankfully decided to so become he's still the There's He's still the man. Well, this is the I man shit. Right now, he's I the fucking man. Too. Yeah. The system calls them hard cases. Ninety. But they just was the Tyson Douglas. Kids need people who care. Just kids. I know a little bit about these kids because not very long ago I was one of them. But I was one of the lucky ones. Are they holding a taser so gun to him if he yeah. stops talking? Yeah. To the legendary trainer, Cuss D'Amato. Now I know Cuss was right. The only person who can stop me is myself. Well, there's some other That's people. That's the kind of confidence <laughs> you should be getting from the cops I know. It's not just discipline. It's can you believe you know, where we're at with Mike Tyson in life? Cop. Well, do you, do you know what's going on at One Man Show? Yeah, directed by Spike Lee. I've heard it's actually pretty good. I bet it is. Uh, I, if, I've, I've made this joke on Twitter before, but I'm going to have an easier time explaining sex to my children than I will telling them that Mike Tyson is was at one time the most feared man in the world. He was the toughest human being who's in, of our generation at one point. He was undefeatable. No one, I mean, it was just... It was a joke. I'll give you a million dollars to get in the ring with Mike Tyson. People say no. That was the joke. Yeah, that yeah. was like the reference you made for him. Yeah. He is now singing in Hangover. He is now on Leno. He's like a laughy. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's so weird to watch where he... I mean, and I'm a huge fan. I'm really happy that he seems clean. He's sober now, you know. Mm-hmm. Even during Hangover, he was still on coke and shit. But he's supposedly like totally sober now, and he has a one-man show in Vegas, uh, which people say actually might actually have some legs in the long run. But he's such a... He, he really is he has his whole life in perspective which is very strange yes many of his interviews if you look him up online he really can break down his life really well um, he can really explain sort of the insanity in a, in a smart way uh, and I, I just I, it hurts sometimes when I see him on TV <laughs> it just I remember how hardcore he, I mean his trajectory is a lot like hip hop in a weird way. Oh, right. Like that it just it came out it was so strong then it waned and now it's and now LMFAO do- yeah. And now LMFAO's on Hip Hop Radio. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just that the way things have went, it's sort of a parallel, you know. But it is kind of nice that he's beloved. And, uh, you know, I guess George Foreman was kind of the same way, where he was this big, scary guy, and then he became beloved. So sure. it's a, it's probably a good way for him to go. Yeah, we'd rather have that than, than Leon Spinks. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, so this was uh, this was the tape. It was fun to revisit. Please. I, I, this is great. Especially in a public forum. I have more of these tapes. Um, as they come up, maybe we'll tackle some more of them. I would love that. But um, 
I want to thank you for coming. No, on, thank you, man. This was this was I, the, the fact that we could listen to any of these old commercials and songs and and show people how probably terrible hip hop used to be. <laughs> um, but we loved it, and there was something there. You there know was I mean? something there. There was something there that was new, and and rarely does something get on the radio that you just think is new. It, yeah, it, it doesn't happen anymore. It was it was shockingly new at the time. I remember one the first time I heard it very loud, and I was like, "When's the music going to kick in?" And there was no music. It yeah. was it was an amazing thing because I remember being in bands at the time too we would always think like how can we do something original it's all been done yeah and then this came out and he went it's never all gonna be done and this is always about, a move to make and this is about a year away from hip-hop going from the park into music you right. know what I mean? Like, I know Sugar Hill Gang's earlier and stuff, but at the same time, like, people were still bragging and boasting about how good the DJ was. You're about a year or two away from it becoming more about the person singing or Absol- rapping. Yeah. Absolutely. And and from it going national, like, uh, uh, what's the timeline on K-Day? Because I know this was the only rap yeah. being played on the East Coast. There was no rap in the Midwest or the South being played on the radio. Yeah, let so. me look. I mean, I don't know the exact date, but I know it, it started... Um, Insanely, here's the original K Day. Um, it it op- it says in the 80s, but it, it it was kind of a little later. I mean, I know it was later than Rap Attack. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I was not. I mean, I was a fan of K Day, but the problem is, is that in the car, my mom controlled the thing, ah, so I'd have to be home right. in order to listen to it. And by that point, I was listening to tapes. Right. Um, so I was sort of in between. I mean, that's where I remember hearing a lot of the NWA stuff for the first time. But I don't think it gives you the exact date it came on. No exact date. So this basically, I mean, like what you're hearing is yeah, rap before it hit puberty, before it went national. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know, it's kind of it's just a petri dish. K Day is technically the first station to go 24 seven hip hop. Well, okay. In LA, yeah. Oh, not in LA, worldwide. worldwide. But but it, it was an, an LA station, and it was the first to go from disco to. Yeah, this was a yeah. time when if the sun was out, you did not hear rap on any radio station anywhere. No. And I would walk into record stores and go, "Hey, do you have the new Boogie Down Productions?" And the record store manager would laugh at me, like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I, I, I oh, sadly I still get that when I ask for the new Waka <laughs> Flocka record. But yeah, I, 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 I think you know. Music Plus and Warehouse, and we had uh, the smallest section in the store. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I, I could go through it in 30 minutes. You know, right. that was it. And so, um, it, it, it to see where it's gone is... is uh, is is mind blowing. You know, it sells everything. It's it's involved in every aspect to culture now. Uh, you know, Justin Bieber says swag on his new song. I mean, right. it's just we've gone too far, guys. It, and it I'm not really saying I'm not saying we need to find out if our supers are murderer again. <laughs> I'm just saying we should probably scale it back a little, find the essence, you know, find the essence and and really figure out what hip hop is about because now we're just dancing a lot. Right, cuz yeah. it used to just be a flavor and now it's just it's that flavor's been dumped on everything. Yeah, why well, made you a mixtape? Oh, I, made you, you, I did. I made you a mixtape. It's filled with rappers that are just coming out now that sort of have the New York aesthetic or uh, or maybe from wherever they're from. But there's an aesthetic there based in lyricism and based in uh, and trying to get your point across and, you know. Thank you. Good it's music. Carrying over the original thoughts and feelings of these original rappers. Yes. yes. Hey, Jess, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter anytime. It's Jensen Clan eighty eight. That's with a C because I'm not racist. It's J E N S E N C L A N eighty eight. And I am uh, managing a rapper that will bring you back to that essence a little. She's an amazing lyricist. She's a beast. Her name is Nova Rockefeller. It's R O C K A F E L L E R. She has a new video that just came out called "Call Me Batman," and you'll see that she uh, is able to take some of the pop aesthetic that we have to have in 2012 like mm-hmm. you can't just be like you know like keep it real like there's no such thing right. uh, but she, you can tell by the way she raps especially in the second verse that she has a deafening rap skill uh, that is raised on Roxanne Chante raised on Cool G Rap raised on Big Daddy Kane ruled you know sort of she was schooled and she's only in her 20s but she murders songs and, and she's influenced purely by stuff we've listened to yeah, and I've heard her, and it does. It brings a big smile to your face to see some brand new kid who gets it and just seems to inherently have those qualities. She so, does. She has it in her. So definitely check her out. And I'm Howard Kramer. You can catch me on Twitter at Howard Kramer and at HowardKramer.com. Listen to the podcasts I put out and come see me. And we appreciate it. And we want to wish one more happy birthday to <laughs> Robin. Uh, Crute. I don't know what his real name would be. Little DJ Red Alert. Robin Crute, Little DJ Red Alert, who is 32 years old today on this, the quarter century 25th anniversary of this rap tape. I assume he's a big podcast fan, so. Yeah, maybe he'll jump on. Probably here. Maybe we'll have him on. Yep. And uh, I want to thank Dustin Feral Audio for putting all this together. 
And uh, we out of here. Yo, 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 yo. It's the ugliest DJ in America. Getting out. Now for some dance crud.